This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which tells you all you ever wanted to know about interiors and takes you through how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. Thank you to Tops Tiles for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for tiles for both the inside and outside of your home, make Tops Tiles your first choice with their range of exclusive tiles and specialist knowledge. Now today we're going to be discussing, this is a good one, does your childhood home shape your future interior design tastes? Ooh. We're going to be deep diving into, and I've got to get this word right because <laughs> it could go so wrong, biophilic design. Well done well and she winked done. at me, she winked at me. <laughs> And then we're going to round off this episode by talking about the trend for colour blocking. And of course, there'll be a design crime thrown in for good measure as well. Right then, let's get started. Tell me about your childhood home. Well, we moved quite a lot when I was little. I think we moved six times by the time I was the age of six. My parents were the original fixer-uppers. They were the, you know, Sarah Beanie's got nothing on my parents. <laughs> they were doing the property ladder from the get-go. Well, you've just said your mum does all your wallpapering. So yeah. she obviously... Oh yes. my gosh, my dad was tiling roofs. He was doing all the plumbing with limited success, I have to admit. And he was also, you know, had like a really big full-on full-time job in the motor industry. But I think DIY was like his kind of outlet. But for my brother and I, both interestingly, we've both followed career paths in interior design. My brother's an interior stylist for telly. Yeah. So it's obviously had a really big impact on our formative years, essentially living in building sites and constantly seeing my <laughs> mum up a ladder, painting something, and my dad effing and jeffing while another one of his pipes has burst. <laughs> <laughs> so I was very much inspired by the vigour and energy and the transformation, the before and after. But style-wise, could this be 
your mother's house. I mean, of course, ironically, I think your mother's come full circle because yes. she now lives in a very modern... Annex next door. Yeah, yeah, which is all open plan and quite modern furniture in yeah. it. But I think you've said before that wasn't what she had no, when I mean, you were growing in, in ter- up. In terms of style, I'd say my my real family home was when we, we moved at six. Yeah. Six to when I left home at sort of 18, 19, whenever that was. And my mum fully embraced the Jocasta Innes paint effect Oh, a bit era. of stippling. Yeah, mine liked a bit of stippling. A <laughs> bit of rag rolling. People probably don't know what that is. No, well, yeah, it was the big sort of, I suppose it's like 1980s, wasn't it? Yeah. 1980s, early so 90s. So it was effectively, it was like tie-dye for walls, wasn't it? You put, <laughs> you put the paint on a bit of scrunched up tea towel and, yeah. and wiped and it were, over the there walls. There was a lot of scumble glazes. There was a was lot that of sh- I can't remember what that is. Was that shiny? <laughs> that was basically what you watered the paint down with. So you bought your paint and then you mixed it with a scumble glaze, which then allowed you to do these dragging effects or stippling effects. And then you got sponging. Do you remember your little sea sponge? Oh, yes. Which you had to on twist a stick. To create a little... Mm. On a, you had yours on a stick, did you? Very fancy. Well, I, I, you yeah. never did it. Did you never do it? Because no. I got well into it as a teenager. My teenage bedroom was kind of like colour wash and it had framed pictures of pre-Raphaelite you know remember the really red-headed women with oh, all the kind yes. of you know the drapes and, and all the gorgeous all cellulite love yeah. them <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> see that's the difference between a teenager then and a teenager that's now that's what you had on your bedroom yeah, then yeah yeah cellulite yeah. is slightly chubby gorgeous women yes bring back those days <laughs> yeah so I think yeah I sort of saw my mum being really experimental there was a lot of kind of ivy stencils draped around the corners of our country farmhouse lots of dried flowers and hops and oh the old hops kind of stuff oh my mother was big and she still has actually in her downstairs loo a variety of plates hanging on the wall one of which is from 1981 the wedding of Charles and Diana Ooh. she's got the commemorative plate on the wall <laughs> oh yes <laughs> so yeah so my hat it was very country it was very creative lots of paint effects very long Laura Ashley, lots of pattern and things happening all the time. My mum was always rubbing down bits of old furniture, recaining chairs. She was hugely creative and practical. So I think, yeah, you know, that has stamped on me a little bit. So I, I'm i not sure I would say that my style is the same as my mother's. Hers is definitely more country. And she will say about... Does she live in the country? She lives you in the country. You brought up in the countryside. Yes. And we moved a lot as well for various reasons because she got divorced. So we, I was born in Surrey. We then lived in the Northumberland. Then we went to Cheltenham. And of course, I went to boarding school in the middle of all that. So I've lived all over the place. And her house was fairly constant. I mean, it was antique furniture. She was very sniffy about people who had repro. Oh, um, but it was very country quite sort of swaggy and pelmety. Oh, yeah, but that think. was the time, was the wasn't time. it? And so I would say that's not a style I have. My mother's is quite country and she would say mine's there's no, a bit... There's no swags or pelmets on you, is there? Kate? There's no swags on me. And she always says my house is a bit London, by which I think okay, she so means it's a bit... Well, I think it's a bit dark. It's... A bit cool. Uh, well, I don't know. Just not for everyone, I think, would be her or take not for on her. that. But what I do find in how to come back the idea of how my childhood home has influenced is my house is full of furniture that came from her house and from her mother. Oh, so you've kept and my great grandmother. So there is an element to which my house might look like my mother's or it has shaped my adult home. But it's not necessarily for the style, although I do like them, but it's also about the stories. That for me is, you know, I I so it's like not so much that, what the, the look. Yeah, it's, it's more the story of the individual it's the history elements. of the piece. So I look okay. at that chair, and that came back belonged to my great grandmother's house. Or we had for a long time an old sleigh bed, 
which we had to get rid of in the end because we just couldn't keep it anywhere. It was like a three-quarter, so it was, wasn't... Mm. I think it was a small double, but these days, you know, it would be like a big single. And it was almost like an original kind of flat pack because it was antique and it sort of screwed together and you had a special sort of antique Allen key oh, really? to put it together. And it was an amazing thing because my great-grandmother slept in it and then my mother slept in it and I slept in it for a while and we had it sort of piled up under other beds and behind doors in two or three houses thinking one day one of the kids will sleep in this bed and I remember saying to one of them at one point we were doing that room you know here you go and they were like I don't, I don't, don't want, want that oh my god and you've lugged it around for years I mean we, we've had some similar yeah. family pieces that we've lugged around and again I you know I remember a certain bureau being in my granny's house and I, when I was a child I thought it was absolutely oh to be fair it was quite big but I thought mm. it was absolutely massive and also a little bit of pressure from more my dad's side of the family. They're very sentimental about we are keepers of these mm. family heirlooms, therefore we must have them. But actually when I moved to this house, which we are intending to be our forever house, mm. I got really strict and was like, if it doesn't fit the space, yes, a bit like your bed, and it doesn't fit the purpose, then I am letting it go, yeah. no matter how long it's been in yeah. the Robinson family for however many generations, because I'm not holding a family museum here. But that's interesting, because I was talking to my husband about that, because I said, you know, clearly there's lots of pieces in our house which have come from my family, and not so many from, from yours. How does he feel about well, that? Well, and we were talking about it and he said that he thinks in many ways his parents weren't that interested. My mother was quite interested in painting and bringing in furniture. So I suppose, again, maybe that passed on to me. Yeah. Mm. His parents were we need a chair to sit on and the colour of that one's quite nice, let's have it. So they weren't sort of so much involved with it. But what he did say, and I remember this as well, because obviously we both grew up in the 70s, there weren't lots of magazines. There was the Jocasta Innes book that was about the size of it, <laughs> or World of Interiors, which we didn't have in our house as a very sort of upmarket magazine. And he said he always was interested in his bedroom, how it looked. And when he was at university, he always made a point of having a you know decorated his bedroom to look how he wanted it to so in a sense he didn't get that from his parents but he said he used to go with his mother to Habitat in Manchester ah. and that was a bit of a treat because they would go and look at they didn't have the furniture but they would go and look at the furniture and always come away with a little something for inspiration yeah that was and a place I to go remember for inspiration. going to Habitat and it was such a treat to see you know where your first duvet came from and and you know the sort of I remember a magical dressing gown toweling dressing gown striped like a rainbow and I remember seeing it in August and falling completely in love with it and getting it for Christmas for all that time you know wow my mother yeah. had hung when, we, when we used to wait for things when we used to wait for things <laughs> um, and then clearly not wanting it anymore it was quite tricky and he said and he's absolutely right that back then it was the Habitat catalogue and it was always beautifully produced and they had you know room sets and, and it only came out I think twice a year and it always had a really great cover and sort of flicking through those things, which certainly wasn't, you know, because Habitat was very modern. Actually, my mum was a subscriber to Country Living. Yeah. When I was, you know, a young, I suppose I'd be a young teenager, maybe like 12, 13. That's when I decided I wanted to be an interior designer at that age. Yeah. And it was because I'd pour over my mum's Country Living magazines and just love all the colourful homes and country properties there. And I just totally, really captured my imagination right at that you know, art was always my favourite subject at school. I remember being allowed to decorate my first bedroom when I was about 12 and I had Laura Ashley wallpaper 
And, you know, these days it's not you a look had that's me. Wallpaper. I did. And it Which, was. Which, do you remember it? Because yes, I remember my Laura. It was white. Yeah. And it had two thin green stripes. Oh, yeah. And then a stripe of yellow flowers and then two thin green stripes. And you see, interestingly, does your childhood home influence? There's no yellow in my house. No. And I don't have lots of tiny, itty bitty flowers. Not at all. So, in a way, I've gone completely in the opposite direction. Much yeah. more likely to have strong colours and much less pattern. So, but then maybe that's just you forming your own taste. Yes, possibly. I mean, like, for example, my mum really loves my home here and she thinks I've done it really well, but she would never have the saturation of colour that I've got for her. It's a bit Most too... Most people might not. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she, I've got a bit above and beyond her threshold and quite and... rightly a lot of other people's thresholds. But I think that the homeliness, my mum was a real homemaker, like I said... I'll do a bit of painting and decorating, but my husband's so snooty about it. He gets so flustered and blustered that he's just rather pay or he's do it He's the himself. one that's effing and jeffing like yeah, your dad he now. he can't yeah. bear it if all my cutting in is slightly wobbly. So I haven't really, you know, I don't do a lot of my own DIY, but I think this very homely feathered nest vibe I get from mm. my mum. And interestingly, one of my oldest best friends the other day, and she was like, look at this photo album. And she pulled it out. And I've known her since I was like 11 at school. And she had a picture of us in this kitchen that I'm telling you about. Oh, wow. And it's colour... Well, I think it was rag-rolled on the walls. It's got an old washing Jenny hanging over the dining yeah. table, covered in Is jugs. it Sheila, not Jenny? Oh, it's a G... Yeah, it's a <laughs> Sheila, that's right! There's the Jenny, the thing in the middle of the... That's oh, the spinning wheel. Susan. That's a lazy Susan. Oh, no, that's... Yeah, that's Susan. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is it, a Sheila? Yeah, so, so an old Victorian washing uh, drying rack a.k.a. Sheila, hanging over the old farmhouse kitchen table, covered in hops, dried flowers, yeah. milk jugs, she collected But people jugs. are doing those now because there's are all they? that thing about floral clouds hanging oh, over your table. Do you know and that's really just ha- putting hops on really, your hanging Jenny, Sheila, this Susan. This is a really hilarious story. So my brother at one point got some gecko lizards as a pet. As you do. As you do. And you feed them live locusts. You buy little trays of them from the pet shop. You feed them. Every now and then they'd escape and they started living and breeding in the hops in the kitchen. (laughs) Oh, So you'd be having breakfast and there'd be one in your cereal. No, but you could hear them singing like you can in a jungle. It was really tropical. (laughs) Added a whole tropical element to the Warwickshire countryside. As long as they weren't (laughs) pooing on your breakfast toast from a great height. That many. We may be talking like a few, but they used to go and live behind the Argo where it was nice and warm. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Still to come, colour blocking and of course those juicy design crimes. But for now. It's, let's talk biophilia. Come on, Kay, what even is it? Well, what even is biophilia? Well, she says, <laughs> why are you sitting comfortably, best beloved? Name that book. <laughs> it is, of course, love of nature. It's, become, it's quite a buzzword right now. It's isn't quite it, a buzzword. So I think it's probably something that's been around for years and years and years, but we didn't give it a fancy name. Ah, so it started happened. off in kind of the roots in eco-design, about connecting with nature, about living so that we can be connected to nature. Is this a well-being thing? It's a well-being thing. Mm. So I think it probably started in the 80s, but it wasn't called that. It was just somehow people thinking it was quite nice to have plants or to be able to see the garden. And it's grown now into a movement with a fancy name. Gathering Pace now is about how we design homes to connect ourselves to nature, but it's also about how we can 
remain in the spaces we already have connected to nature. So it's about rethinking the spaces we're already in, but also for architects and town planners and so forth, it's also thinking about how we plan and build future spaces. Yes, so that we have that connection. So there's very sort of simple, obvious ways, which again, sort of start feels like it started as an Instagram trend, which is about plants. You notice that plants have come wall. back. A living wall. <laughs> a terrarium. And yes, exactly. Plants have come back House into plants fashion. plants are in, aren't they? They're yeah. massively in. And I think... You know, last time people just had plants. I don't think they thought about the well-being. And then in the 80s and the 90s, we didn't have houseplants because they gathered dust and we didn't want them. And I did once have a client and I said, oh, you could have a plant in that corner. And she went, ooh, spiders. I mean, she really didn't want plants in her house. She thought animals and earth and outside stuff coming in my house don't want it. Okay. Um, That's a different condition. (laughs) (laughs) I've probably got a Latin name, don't know what it is. That'll be a phobia, not a philia. Um, It feels obvious now that you would have plants and greenery in your house because we know that plants take toxins out of the air and there's all that you know they can soak up the harmful rays coming off your telephone and all that so there's that is part of biophilia physical element there is a physical element to it they're purifying the air but there've also been studies on it that it properly brings your heart rate down and can de-stress you and make you feel calmer. And it's not just greenery, it's actual wood, natural substances. So apparently having a a wall clad in timber, natural timber, where you can see the grain not painted, Mm. is really good for you. And there was a study which... Oliver Heath told me, and he's a real expert on this subject. So Oliver Heath, obviously, is quite a well-known interior designer. Changing rooms fame, no less. But he's become quite an eco-crusader, hasn't he? Yeah, and I think he advises the government, and his sort of specialist subject is biophilia now. And he said there'd been a study showing that having a timber-clad wall had reduced students, it was in a school, reduced students' heart rates by 86,000 beats a day so basically it you took are their stress such a stack. I mean you have a number do? look at that you just pl- you haven't even written that I've just, down no I've remembered that one bonds. Um, so it totally Amazing. calms them down mm. so it's plants obviously but it's wooden floors if you can mm. wooden furniture mm-hmm. possibly having sheepskin rugs so you know there's that so connection it's, again, it's another natural element it's all about natural texture so I think probably you could take that into linen because that comes from flax, which is obviously flowers and plants. So is this a subconscious thing? You know, we're just subliminally getting feel-good vibes. I think it might well be because there's also natural light, aren't there? Because there's that... Now, here's a a statistic for you. (laughs) She's on a roll. I've got another one. Um, I've said this one before. We spend, I think I've said it to you, 90% of our time indoors. Yes, astonishing. So it's also about... Connecting ourselves to the outside with a view, that's as important. So it's being able to see through a window. And of course, there will be people, you look out to the greenery, of course, so you have that view. You know, I live in a, in a city, so I look out of my front window to the house opposite. But there is, um, but you have a garden. I do have a garden. But what the thinking behind it would be, even if you look out over a car park, you know, it's the old room with a view, you go to a hotel and you get the view of the car park at the back, have plants on that windowsill so that you've got something green to look at Mm. or even if you've got a window put a chair by the windows you've got a chair by your window now so that you could maybe just spend 10 minutes a day getting that light sitting in the chair by the natural light looking at the outside if you 
can't get out to a park or, you know, you're chained to your desk for whatever reason. Okay, so it's that sort of connection too. So it's subconscious, but what you realise is once your heart rate's gone down and your blood pressure's gone down and your stress levels have gone down, that your outlook and positivity goes up. The positive outlook on life See, this goes is just up. sounding so good, but... This is all really ringing true to me. So, for example, I've recently converted a really horrible, dark, damp junk room. It was a a formal dining room, which we clearly were never going to use. And I've changed that into my home office. But the first thing I had to do was punch a massive hole in the wall. And I've got some lovely big French doors Mm. in my office now with a view of my garden. My view from my desk is this big picture of greenery. It's so important. And not only that, bringing all that light in. Now, that was quite a major bit of surgery and it was expensive to do, but so important because it was the difference between me wanting to use a room and not wanting to be in that room at all. Yeah. And the other interesting thing, I think, is that when we were house hunting, we knew we wanted to, you know, I, I was brought up in the countryside, but then lived in London for 11 years and then in central Brighton for eight years. And I was really ready to move back to the countryside. And when we were house hunting, as someone who's obsessed with interiors, it was all about the outside space when we were looking for a house. Yeah, that was... Also back to childhood, you see. Yeah, Going back to your country roots. Yeah, and a lot of of my old friends who visited me here in Sussex go, God, this is just like your family house. Similar size, similar aspects, similar amount of land. Yeah. So there, there is something in that, but it's interesting that I feel, I feel really blessed to be here, don't get me wrong, but I feel my house is a little bit ugly. Like it's not a really, from an interior designer's point of view, it's not a gem. I haven't got beautiful big windows or lovely proportions. The rooms are quite awkward. The windows so are quite small. So you bought it for the connection But I bought it for the fact that we are surrounded by 100 acre woodland. We've got a meadow, we've got a pond, we've got a willow tree. Yeah. Our big task now is to work on this house to bring it up to speed. And <laughs> interestingly, because it's an old Victorian farmhouse, the windows are really tiny. So actually, even now you're sitting here with me in my living room, you can't actually see much of my view. Because no, the windows they are, are really proportionally small quite small, aren't and they? And high. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, Arthur's eight now, so he can see out. But when we moved here when he was five, he couldn't actually see out of any of the windows. He was too small. Yes. So... That's what we're saving up for now is to put big windows yeah. in here and hopefully one day an extension with big glass wraparound. So we can really enjoy the view because for me, that's the whole point yes. of living. It's here. that connection, isn't it? And so Oliver Heath said to me, you know, yes, take 10 minutes to sit by a window. Take not looking t- at your phone. Not looking at your phone. <laughs> take 10 minutes to actually open that window and, you know, feel the breeze so that you sort of are feeling that connection that way or watch the clouds moving past in the sky or something so that you just are bringing that connection to it. And the other thing he said, which is where you're getting much more into the architecture of it, is that ideally it's about designing spaces that allow you to not necessarily be connected to nature, but you. he says it's very crucial to try and design your spaces to keep the activities separate so that you can work in one space, relax in another, eat in another. I mean, it's difficult with colours because obviously we know that green is an invigorating colour and it's the colour of nature. Blue is time and again in surveys, it's the world's favourite colour. And one um, that's quite calming. And quite calm. And it's the colour of the sea and the sky. Hopefully. Yellow, also very good because it's the colour of sunlight and crops ripening and bountiful harvest. So I'm not, you know, we can't say you should all do your house in blue and green and yellow, but those are colours that if you get them in the right shades that work for you. Yeah. And 
you will know about that because you're about Is colour. this biophilia though now or are we moving into colour psychology? Is this a biophilic thing, colour? He would say those three colours. The colours of nature. Oh. The colours of nature. So they're colours of nature. Absolutely. It's almost what we associate, the, the colours of nature and well-being that yeah. we naturally associate yes. with. And it's about being tactile and touching wool and wood and nice surfaces so that we're not living in a sort of hermetically sealed mm. plastic box, I suppose, where there is no connection to it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. So I wanted to chat to you about colour blocking because it's quite a trend, which I think it's been touted around a bit. And I thought we could talk about how you make it work. So, for example, Living Etc. interviewed me recently asking for my tips on this oh, very subject. So what exactly do you mean by colour blocking? I think it's kind of like a bit of a decoration trend that we're seeing. And it's on this curve of the fact that colour and quite strong use of colour in interior design is continuing to be quite on trend We're and bolder, embrace. We? We're getting bolder and bolder and bolder. And then simultaneously, we've had this very maximalist trend with lots of heavy pattern. But I see colour blocking is, it's embracing the colour, but it's rejecting the pattern. So, and in fact, that was a thing in fashion, wasn't it? They used to say Michelle Obama was good at colour blocking. Oh, so when yeah, it comes to clothes... you don't see her in a lot of pattern, do you? No, she you wears don't. She wears blocks colour. of solid colour. So mm. she will have a pink dress and a red jacket mm. and a pair of blue shoes or something. So it's strong colours. Yes, in I mean, it blocks. is what it says. It is what it says on the tin, yeah. isn't it? In blocks. So I understand how to dress in a colour block. It's probably come from fashion, actually. I think it totally sure. has come from the catwalk, hasn't Starts it? Starts on the catwalk, ends on the cushions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure about in interiors how that's translating. So that would be... Having no pattern, yeah, having I lots of strong colour. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, being really, really bold and using it in quite large scale blocks. So, you know, the whole sofa soaked in a colour against a wall. There might be a place for a feature wall. I was going to say, there you, might be a place are you, for a feature wall. Hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's timeouts. Timeouts. Four series have just gone to nothing. We've gone from design crime to hot new trend. The feature wall is back. Is that what you're saying to me? In my view, it never went away. But there you go. That's how fickle the trend industry is. One minute's out, one minute's in. But is it so? Is it saying you can paint again? I'm going to say not one feature wall, but would you do? All four walls of your house. Maybe different in a different colours. block of colour. Or is yeah. it about painting, maybe almost using paint as wallpaper and painting shapes on the wall? Yeah, so it's a paint story first up, isn't it? Right. So yeah. I think you're right. It's being creative with paint, creating blocks of colour with paint, and almost like breaking the rules a little bit. So rather than doing a feature wall, would be traditionally you paint one wall corner to corner, you might just paint the corner. So it's not just about painting one wall, it's actually painting into the corner across two walls. I love that look. So I've seen pictures where you effectively might do a triangle across the corner. So you start at the point where the mm. corner meets the ceiling and come out in a triangle across two walls. And that can then zone a space. So if you did it in yellow, for example, it would look like there was a beam of light. Oh, now in you're that getting corner. carried away, Kate. Well, but then you could put a desk in it in a kid's room. You could yeah. zone it or have a chair in it or something. Yeah, yeah, or a so. library nook. And again, I think in, you know, with the trend for open plan spaces, people get really stuck on how to decorate an open plan space mm. because you've got walls everywhere doing odd things, odd angles. So people just paint them out in a neutral. But actually, if you can start introducing colour in blocks, in sections, rather than thinking, well, is it going to be this wall or that wall? Think about painting your zoned area, if you like, the dining yeah. area or the library area or the music corner or, you know, whatever it is you've got going on. So this on. comes back also to my banning of white paint, which was a while ago now. <laughs> I'm not sure how many people are obeying me on this. Yeah, I'm not but sure. But you could, yes, so you can paint the ceiling in a colour yeah, and do the walls in a colour. You know, or, almost yeah. create a cube in the corner of your room yeah. where you paint now the corner. Now and away. I know. I'm getting, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. But I think, you know, my tips are when you're colour blocking is you've got to have a really strong colour palette story to stop it looking random. And when I sort of teach this on my workshops and my courses, actually, funny enough, my new online course, which I've launched this spring, which is called Be Your Own Interior Designer, has a section within it on how to choose colours for a scheme. And I take people through the process of choosing what I call your hero colours. Now, I say, obviously, you can have as many colours in a room as you like. I mean, you're sat here in my living obviously, room. Obviously, I'm not going to say that. You're going to lose yes. count. Yeah, you're not going to say that. But I've got many, many colours in my living room. But I yeah. think when you're starting from scratch, it's good to have hero colours. And I think pick three. Right. Core colours. Yeah. And I think when you're putting together a colour blocking scheme, this is really, really crucial. Yeah. So a colour blocking scheme isn't going to have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve colours. It's probably it going to have a much. core. Yeah. Let's say three colours mm -hmm. that you use in big, bold chunks. So on the sofa, on the rug, on the walls, in a piece of artwork. And that's kind of it. And it's to do with the strength of statement. Because so I went a few weeks ago now, at the beginning of the summer to an apartment that was designed by the fashion designer, Roxanda Alinchich. Oh, I've seen Ooh, that. And yeah. Her, so her clothing style is very, very much colour blocking. Colour blocking. Yes. So it'll be really full skirts with, with panels at different colours that you might sort of see only when you move. I mean, Quite I love sculptural, her aren't they? Yeah. Quite sculptural and amazing sleeves, which are very sculptural, but maybe but her a black dress where the it? lining is in a completely contrasting pink. And she's also really big on circles. So a lot of the bags she designs have circular handles or circle motifs on them. So she'd done this apartment and she'd painted, had painted a lot of the walls in circles and shapes. And she'd got one wall in the sort of dining area, which she'd painted the whole wall. 
And then at the other end of the open plan space, she'd taken the same colours and had them painted onto a canvas so that there was a connection between the two ends of the open space, but one was slightly smaller. And it was very much in her palette, which is sort of ranges from red and burgundy to blush and peach. Oh, so quite a very, very tonal. Mm. But then there were hints of blue, there were navy blue. And then the kind of thread running through the apartment, if you like, was an almost sort of neon yellow. So there was a... A little a, accent. Yeah. So there you go, those are hero colours. You've got the warm blush yep. colours, the navy, and then the little... And the little... And it was a very bright acid yellow. But it worked brilliantly. And then particularly, and there was one bedroom, which was quite sort of terracotta, peachy, corally colours. And it looked... It was very sort of good taste and it was very restful and very beautiful. And then there were these two bedside lamps in kind of acid painted metal yellow. Oh, I and they love looked it. amazing because they suddenly they disrupted the space yeah. and they stopped it being just sort of just lots nice. of calm, yeah. good taste. But there was no pattern. I mean, there was this sort of pattern on the wall, but it was very big, As in big and abstracting shapes. shapes. Yeah. Yes. But the only florals, if you like, were actually real real florals, real flowers, back to biophilia. And she was wearing a dress actually that matched and there was no pattern in it. It's interesting the fact that even her outfit matched because I think one thing I'd say about the colour blocking trend is, is it's quite a commitment because yeah. you've almost got to design your scheme from scratch and execute it in one go. This mm. isn't something you're adding pieces to over time. Yes, it's difficult to build it up, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's quite a well thought out, well planned, structured and very highly impactful mm. way to decorate and so I, I suppose for somebody who knows completely what they like, want to make a big impression and is just going to get the whole thing done in I suppose one you can build it up if you were, you know, you're buying in plain colours. Because I wouldn't have said that I colour block, but actually there isn't a huge amount of pattern in my house. I mean, there's a bit on the cushions. And as much as I love a patterned sofa, and I know you haven't got one yet, but you, you plan to do one quite yes. soon, don't you? I've got three sofas in my sitting room and they're all plain and I've got plain walls. They're all very strong colours. So it's that kind of Neapolitan ice cream palette, which is, you know, chocolate, raspberry and I'm not going to go with vanilla, but a sort of natural. Yeah. And so those are blocks of colours that I use quite comfortably and I don't use much pattern and actually I don't really dress in pattern no no you're quite yeah I mean you're wearing the most what color is that jacket actually well it's green pea isn't soup. it it's not pea soup what is it it's a lovely color I think it's, it's pistachio is it pistachio it's I like an olivey it's an really nice it color good, it? yeah but yeah but actually, I am wearing it with black but there's no surprise you always wear black don't well you that's always true wear black? if I was you I'd probably be wearing it with pink trousers and that would look amazing if you turned up in an outfit like that because you're wearing cobalt blue I'm wearing and cobalt a pink blue t-shirt. And pink t-shirt. So again, no this is quite colour blocky for me. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I suppose there's one way to go quite tonal and quite soft or there would be my way of doing it and using quite high energy contrasting mm. colours like cobalt blue next to pale pink. But you're right, it's the absence yellow. of pattern. So your sitting room with pale pink walls and you've got pink and white stripy curtains. But actually, if you were going to colour block, you wouldn't have stripy curtains. No. You would have... And I wouldn't have this pattern. A rug. strong pink curtains, paler pink walls, a red rug, and then you would have a, a cobalt, cobalt blue, blue sofa. sofa or something. That'd mm. be... Now, let's do it. I think <laughs> it's quite... You remember the old sort of Conran, Terence Conran schemes of the 1990s? He was kind of like the original colour blocker, I yes, think. Yes, he probably... And again, we wouldn't have called it that. No, It would but, have just been how we decorated. Yeah, so again, you know, it's nothing new. It's all just coming round again, Well, it, it always makes me laugh, actually, when people talk about, so I've styled my room this way. You know, I mean, I, I would just say put. 
I've put that there. Oh, you've styled it now. So people are styling their shelves where I'm going, I just put that picture on that wall. It's different vocabulary, isn't it? Yeah. And why style my shelves? What are you saying? Well, that's your job description. (laughs) (laughs) You're a stylist. I'm a putter. (laughs) So come on then, Kate, design crimes. Have you thought of any? Well, you might not like this. Why not? Well, we're here. In your lovely sitting room. We are. Let me... And I've just made and you your house, lunch. your very big house you. in the country. You've made... It was a good lunch. Thank you. However, <laughs> oh, I'm not saying this is a design crime, right? But this has just popped into my head. You've got a new telly. Yeah, I love my new telly. It's quite big. Yeah. And? What? Big tellies. Big tellies dominating the room. Design I'm not saying crime. that yours is. Mm. Oh my God, you so are. That, well, do you know that telly... Yes. Is only 49 inches. That's massive. <laughs> I wanted a 55, do you know, I wanted a 55 inch. I was in Richer Sounds. And to be fair, in Richer Sounds, you've kind of got on display, you've got a few 49 inch, quite a few 55 inch. And it's a diagonal measurement. It's a diagonal it? measurement, yeah. this is. And in inches, like seriously. But anyway, the whole thing's quite bluffing, isn't it? It's just, I suppose that's just the way they've also done it. But then they also had some like... 60 inch plus tellies in there which That's like are the cinema. massive I think mine's 27 and I thought I <laughs> what <laughs> I mine's about that I think my computer monitor's 27 in my office oh no it must be bigger than that <laughs> no. Must be bigger than that. So you've got your fitting in a little alcove, which is quite clever, yes. isn't it? So you've had so your limited with space. Whereas, to be fair, this living room is, I think it's seven and a half meters by five and a half meters. This is a good size living room, right? Yeah. And you know, the rule of thumb is. Is there a rule? There is. There is a little bit of a rule. Are you going to hit me with some numbers, Stat Queen? <laughs> well, I think I've just been made redundant. <laughs> They say roughly one, one and a half to two and a half times the size of your diagonal measurement screen. So if I was, I think we're roughly about 10 feet away from where I'm sitting, where you're sitting. I could have up to 60 inches apparently, but I've only got 49. So there you go. It's quite a modest. So it's telly, quite isn't small. It? Turns out it looks pretty big to me. <laughs> no, to the, be fair, I think it is big. And what's really funny is when I rang my husband from the shop and I said, "Oh, forty nine or fifty five. He went, "Oh, go for the smaller." I hate big tellies, and that's <laughs> usually it's the other yeah, way it around. Yeah, it is. the way around. In, it's not. In fact, it's not necessarily the size. It's what you do with it. For now, for now, <laughs> it's about what often happens, and this is the case in my sitting room, is that all the telly points and wires and plugs are diagonally opposite the door and so you open the door and opposite your sofa yeah. but you open the door into the room and the first thing you see well, is the really television common, and so that's that's not why my sitting room is dark but my sitting room is painted dark so that the television is hopefully not the first thing you see and to be like fair to you exactly to be fair to you in your room your television is on the same wall as your door so you do have to be sitting on the sofa mm. as i now am to see the gigantic monolith in the corner it is quite big and the unfortunate thing is obviously i've decorated with quite soft colors here we've got the pale pinks and we've got this big black box that's the unfortunate thing about tellies isn't it is from a color point of view they don't don't blend in but the other thing and actually i was looking at i think emily henson life unstyled on instagram the other day and she was saying you know when was the last time you saw television in an interior design magazine Mm, we always you know we photograph around them we don't put them in And she said, quite rightly, they're in sitting rooms 
And that's quite often what your sitting room is for. So, you know, why hide them? Stop trying to pretend they're not there, but, you know, maybe decorate around them. So do have books near them or pictures around them. I thought you were going to, like, put a garland or some fairy lights around them then. You'll be doing that next (laughs) time. I will not. (laughs) (laughs) What she's saying is just accept it as part of the room and build them in. And I actually think that's very sensible advice. That's what we've done in Mum's Annex, actually, because she's got this open plan space. We've built a bookcase and the TV fits within it like a picture. Yeah. And that was a made-to-measure piece of furniture that it slotted within. What do you think of that? Is it the... Um, I want it. The, the frame. frame. I want one. Because oh, I did consider one of those. You see, but yours price. is across the corner, so that wouldn't work. Well, that's why I didn't go so for it So it wouldn't look end, like a picture. Because I thought it would look weird having a picture I the think corner. they're amazing. And I have had a couple of clients who've had them. And they mm. do look brilliant. So I did what, go into just, one... Just to explain to people who don't know what the frame yeah. TV is. It's a television that when it's switched off, it has a image that looks like a painting but you can choose you can choose or, the image which as is well on all the time but hardly yeah. uses any energy it's not like a bright yeah. light is it it's quite so a- it's like a picture so I went to this client's house very very big house in West London and I was looking at this picture on her kitchen wall and contemplating to myself as to whether she actually had a Banksy on the wall oh, could have been possible and then her kids came in and she flicked a switch and it was Teletubbies and- <laughs> and I was completely blown away by it but but it oh. you know you couldn't tell I thought it was really impressive I think there's a box that goes underneath that's quite small that you could put in a shelf or on the table or behind it it's quite discreet that's where all the sort of workings are but I think they're a brilliant idea I would totally have one they're you quite would. expensive. Yeah, I would. Because I have it in the alcove yes, and I've got work. pictures and you could hang it on, on the, the other wall, alcove. You? you could hang it on the wall. And then it would look like you hadn't got a telly in the space yeah. at all. I think they're quite clever. So there we go. A framed mm. TV coming to a madhouse near you soon. <laughs> well, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, yeah, and it's goodbye so from is Sophie's that, big telly. Is that, is that too big for you then? Am I in design crime territory with my 49-inch television? Couldn't watch the news on a telly that big. Imagine the size of Trump coming out of your screen on that. Be utterly horrifying. I think that's enough. I think you're in design crimes. So you think he's only 27 inches? (laughs) (laughs) But we have had some brilliant design crimes over the series, from vertical office blinds to flaccid cushions to... Repro furniture, that was Pearl Lowe's, and fern cottons, leather sofas. I got quite a lot of messages over that. I I, honest, there's so many people who agreed with fern and hate a squeaky sofa. Who knew? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people agree with a lot of these. They just haven't said. So, (laughs) you know, first of all, those guests were both in series three. So go and have a listen if you missed them. But, you know, we'd love to hear more of your design crimes. So get in touch with us on Instagram mostly, where I'm mad about the house. And she's, who are you again? Sophie Robinson interiors <laughs> really frightened about what my next design crime is going to be I cannot wait to record the next episode at your house I'm going to come fully artillery up. oh god <laughs> I think it might be a short series <laughs> So for a summary of this episode, we talked about our childhood houses and both how they've shaped mine and Kate's adult homes. And we'd love to hear more from you on this. Dig out the old family photos and do share with us over on Instagram or on our blog, your own childhood home memories. Then we talked about uh, biophilia design. And the take home from this is just take 10 minutes to sit by a window and stroke a wooden wall. (laughs) (laughs) And feel your heart rate come down. 
And then we talked about the color blocking trend and the take home here is go bold and either use really strong clashing contrasting colors or be more subtle with your tonal colors. All this plus more pictures and links will be on our blogs madaboutthehouse.com and sophierobinson.co.uk. Do make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and do please leave us a rating and a review on your podcast app if you can. We really love reading them and it really helps other people find us. Thanks so much to Tops Tiles for sponsoring this podcast, to Kate Taylor, our producer, and of course to you for listening. We'll see you in the great indoors. Bye. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. One of these days we should swap that and see if anyone can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't. I'm Sophie Robinson. Apparently we sound really similar on the podcast, people. That's been the feedback. That they can't tell us apart. (laughs) So we are completely interchangeable. That's good to know. (laughs)